0: And I'm Lofty Fulton, and I'm out of here.
1: Welcome back to the Canine Paranormal. My name's Glenn Cook. I'm in studio with my co host, Pat Stewart. Hello. And joined today. We're very fortunate to have him back, Mr. J. Jack.
0: How are you doing, guys? I almost couldn't hear you over that noise.
1: <laughs> <laughs> okay, so for the. <laughs> 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 There's an insider joke, and I have to explain it now that Jay's <laughs> so rudely
2: brought it up. <laughs> oh, my eyes are watering. <laughs> uh, the groundskeeper here is mowing the lawn outside, and we'll be waiting like 20 minutes <laughs> for him you to just stop. Shut up! And it, we just decided, no, oh, no one's going to be able to hear it anyway. Let's just. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> what's funny?
0: What's funny is the, the just the. Comical level of like you're sitting there, three-grown men sitting in silence, waiting for this minute noise to stop, and then it would stop, and you'd see Glenn go, All right, we're getting ready to go. He'd start pushing buttons, then you'd hear
2: (laughs) 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 just stop. And now you won't be able to hear it over us, just laughing
0: hysterically, with no
2: context for anyone, anyway.
0: Oh God. Okay.
1: All right. Uh, Ready, ready. go.
2: So wow, what a start. What are we talking about? <laughs> <laughs>
1: Not the lawnmower guy.
2: Yeah, right.
0: You can almost guarantee that there's something you don't want me to talk about. It's
2: <laughs> the first thing out of my mouth. Uh, I have
1: no social. Uh, it's good to start the show with a laugh. All
2: right. Okay. Totally out of context. That totally no one, out of context. No one listening
1: will know what we're talking the, the about. The funny thing is now that everybody here is wiping tears out of their eyes. Yeah. yeah uh okay so i think today on our show we'll talk about a subject matter that jay and chad have been speaking about on their tour but it's part of their lifestyle that they work with in their training practices and that is the layered stress model i'm going to hand it over to jay to talk to, to fill us in
2: layered stress model so where, where
1: we've got did a graphic. it come did from we've,
2: we've got a graphic that we're going to post so okay. everyone
1: can see yeah which is something you designed didn't you jay
0: Yeah. The, the, I can send you the one that I had my student make, but yeah, the, the, the graphic that I made uh, is like this volcano cartoon. I didn't make it. I had it. I commissioned it or whatever. One of my students made it for me, but uh, it's a, it's a volcano and it shows when all these layers are stacked up, the volcano erupts and then there's a reduced layers and the volcano doesn't erupt. It's just a nice visual to put in people's head so they can do it. And I give that to my clients. So they literally, I tell them, print this out, stick it on your refrigerator. Because like, if you have it in your mind, it works as like, it works as a little bit of a guidepost. So you know what you're doing in your training. Mm. Anytime there's an issue, we go back to the layered stress model and we do it. Right. So I'll throw a basic at it. So so people don't think I'm saying I invented it. I heard it first from Chad and Chad says he got it from somebody else. And I can't remember who
1: he said for the life of me, but uh, I first heard. All our best information we've got from somebody else. Of course. You know, I mean, it's, it's either come from science or it's come from somebody who's a deep thinking individual. So we've all borrowed information. Of There's course. nothing wrong with that. We have to do it. I um, always it's give credit. I but-
0: always give credit. Cause I don't want to ever be the guy that's like, you yeah, didn't come up with that. Well, I just don't want to be the dude that, I mean, I think I have cool ideas, but I also really don't like to be like the people who desperately want validation so bad. They don't talk about where ideas came from. Mm. Yeah. That annoys me. It, it doesn't matter. It's like, so whatever, good for you. But it's like, I always do that. You know what I mean? Like I always like, I've had more time away from my jujitsu teacher than I had with him. Like, I've been gone for 15 years and I had about eight years with him, right? But the same thing is- But I still to this day go like, that's where it came from. Obviously, I've had a ton of development since then, but like, I'll credit the guy all day.
1: But the same thing is, if you look at a good author who's written a great book, Mm. they'll credit people where they gain that information from. And so they should. Yeah, absolutely. You know, they need to do that to give credibility to their work. For sure. Like, uh, have you ever read Lindsay's books, The Handbook of Applied Dog Training and Behaviors?
0: Yes, Posture Facilitated Relaxation. In yes. the back chapter, and everybody blows it off. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that book's been around forever, and everybody like I go, hey man, give your dog a rub down, and everybody's like, Well, that's amazing. And I'm like, Do you do you have the book on your shelf? I saw it.
1: Yeah. <laughs> do you know what I
0: mean? They blow it off.
1: Those books. They're a hard read in in many aspects, but if you actually – if you get to the end of the book, the reference section is almost a a miniature book itself Mm. on who he gives credibility to. And I respect the man in droves because of the credibility that he's given to other people. And in such, he's gained it himself, and people have seen him as this magnificent author has put these great volumes of work together. So, yeah, that's how we we get the information and – And where we go with that. And I think one of the things, Jay and Pat, which we generally agree on, is that sometimes people will say things in a certain way and then you'll get the information and you'll be able to translate it better that other people understand it and can take it away in a different manner. And I think that itself is a skill set that you can explain it better that other people can understand it. Because I've had people that have read Lindsay's books before or they've read other books before, they've come back in and they said, oh, yeah, it was a good book, I really enjoyed it, but I didn't understand it. Sure. It was talking at a level that was obscure to them. Mm. And if you can decipher it for them and break it down into a language that they can take away, well, then that gives you – credibility that you know how to talk to that person in a, in a certain uh, style and language yeah. that they can work with.
0: I feel like <clears throat> not to get too esoteric, but I feel like that's kind of my gift. You know what I mean? Like, mm. I don't think I'm that good. At, I mean, I'm good at stuff, but I don't think I'm that good at stuff. Like if there's, if you look at anything, jiu jitsu, dogs, anything like I'm better than average, but I'm not like, there's guys out there that just smoke me. There's guys that just run me in circles. Like they're amazing, amazing trainers. But I think my gift is the ability to translate material. Mm. So like, even though this guy's like 17 times better than me, there's no hope of me being that good. Like he's amazing. If you put 10 people in a room and he tries to transmit the bubble that's in his head and get that bubble in their head, you can see like each bubble above their head. It's not the same picture. It's a little off. Mm. You know what I mean? And I know that I can run in and take the same 10 people and go, guys, guys, look, here's the deal and say a couple of things and get all those bubbles to go boop, 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 and line up. It's not that I had the idea or that I'm even like in some way better at, at applying the idea. I I can just see, I can like see the bubble above this guy's head and see the bubble above the people that are listening mm-hmm. and tell that they don't match and go to each person and go, Boop. And I'm going to say this to you and it's going to make it match. And I'm going to run over here and say this to you and make it match. And I'm going to use this metaphor with you and you're not metaphorical. So I'm going to give you some science and then you're, I'm going to make an analogy and this one's, I'm going to make a joke. You know what I mean? And just yep. like, boop, 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 boop.
1: and that's a skill set in itself. <clears throat> in huge. yeah oh, it's huge. It's mm. huge.
0: But I think, uh, I always try to make sure that people know that that's what I know I'm doing mm. and not. Running around, going like I'm, I am the painter of other people's ideas. Like you know what I mean. Like yeah, I'm not yeah, the guy that's like I'm a fucking inventor. Yeah. <laughs> you're, not, you're,
2: you're not Joseph Smithing it and saying. <laughs> <laughs> Have you seen the Book of Mormon? Oh, you got to you got to see the musical The Book of Mormon.
1: No, I haven't seen it. Well,
2: I mean, this is. Historically accurate Joseph, Joseph Smith When he was 14 The sort of founder Oh is this Mormon. from The Guys from
1: South Park Yeah
2: they they wrote the musical But the, the real story is He said God gave me This knowledge on these Gold plates And, yep. and I'm never allowed To show the gold plates To anyone <laughs> I had to transcribe it Onto this book Which I've now written The Book of Mormon And this is the word of God And it was gifted to me This knowledge was just Gifted to me by God On these golden plates uh, I'd like to see that book <laughs> Did, Didn't help. he dig you them up In a field glasses. or something like that Yeah he dug them up In a the field They were buried there by Jesus Like yep. in the three days When he was in mm, the grave mm. yeah, uh, Anyway that's an, but, So
1: what's the story About the not, magic
2: underpants In <laughs> Oh well they do wear Magic underpants I don't think they're magic It's a modesty thing It's a It is um Sacred garments man Yeah sacred garments I don't oh, know that right. they
0: think They're magical But I know that there's some Sacred, but
2: sacred. thing to it Yeah, yeah.
0: Mm. We just lost all the Mormons
2: Yeah but that's all right. That's all right. Well, you know, the thing about the Mormons is they're actually really amazingly good people. They're, their religion can be a little strange, but
1: they're I don't actually, have any issue with any religion. The only issue I have with I'm people is- I'm violently opposed to religion.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I, don't have a, I don't have any problem with any religion. We, we I can have,
1: throw, I we have can a problem throw, with we, the interpretation you of You
0: should, it. at that point, throw in the- These views do not necessarily represent the canine paradigm. You're, like, <laughs> you're one of those American, like, don't listen to anything that fucking guy just said, right? Yeah, yeah, no, no. But yeah, I just, um, yeah- it's not spirituality and it's not morality.
2: It's just organized religion.
0: It's just the nonsense. The, just the, just the, and we can totally just let me know and we can stop talking anytime you want. Like you just give me a flag and I'll shut the fuck up (laughs) because I'll just, I'll just go until somebody throws a flag on the plate. But yeah, it's the nonsense involved. It's interpretation. Dude, I I live my life as moral and as upstanding as anybody ever did. You know what I mean? But like when somebody goes, why do you do that? I go, because that's the right way to be. I don't go like, because it's... Mm the 13th Wednesday of the lunar cycle. And I'm just, no, I mean, just be a good dude. You know, like mm-hmm. I don't understand like why you got,
1: I think that's the, I got to make magic glasses out of the whole but, thing. <laughs>
0: you know what I mean?
1: I think that's the thing in any religion. I think if you, it doesn't matter who you believe in. I think if, if your practice or the practice of the religion is be a good person, don't leave a shit legacy, treat other people well, and try not to fuck things up on the way through, yeah. if that's the content of the religion, there's nothing wrong with it. And there's no problem with it. The problem is is how people interpret that yeah. and how, you know, we talk about cognitive dissonance in training all the time. This is a word we throw around a lot in training. It's become a very popular word in more recent years. But the same applies for religion as well. I mean, we follow these doctrines. Too way, way too seriously sometimes, way yeah. too seriously. And the same thing happens in our dog training careers as well. People get so boxed in to a set of ideologies that they ruin it for everybody else. Sure. And the same thing happens with religion as well.
2: So uh, we can segue out of religion by yeah. saying, so we brought up Joseph Smith because you- you're not saying you're gifted this special knowledge. It's sure, come sure. from various people before you. Absolutely. And that's the layered stress model.
0: Okay. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. So
2: <clears throat> segue. <Segway. laughs> and we're back. <laughs> we
1: just need Ben to start up the lawnmower now. That would be amazing. Right now, if you just <laughs> went. Brum, brum, brum. <laughs>
0: so anyway, uh, layered stress model. So the layered stress model says, okay, before I explain the layered stress model, what I'll say is there's an interesting thing that we do where we... You know how people talk about anthropomorphizing dogs, right? Mm -hmm. The problem is half the time we do that too much. And then the other half the time we don't do it enough. Yep. Right. And so like we treat dogs as if they're different. I'll give you an example. If somebody came home, right? Like your old lady comes home and you've cooked dinner and you've made meatloaf and it's a little undercooked, right? And they walk in the door, they cut into the meatloaf, they discover that it's slightly undercooked and they just flip their shit. They fucking lose it. They start crying, hyperventilating. They knock the fucking meatloaf off the table. They lose their shit. With people, you immediately go like this. You immediately go, "What happened? Like what's going on?" Like it's not the meatloaf. Yeah. No no one, nobody, nobody, not one fucking person in the world goes, "What we need to do based on what I just saw? You have an undercooked meatloaf." reactivity issue. We need to <laughs> counter condition you to the meatloaf. We need to show you partially undercooked meatloaf and then give you a fucking bowl of ice cream. Uh, we need to desensitize. I'm going to, I'm going to undercook the meatloaf, but to a less degree to control the stimulus. And we're going to slowly de desensitize you to nobody fucking does that. Mm-hmm. Nobody, not one person ever considers doing desensitization or counter conditioning to the quote unquote trigger. Nobody. They all go, what the fuck is going on? What happened? Yep. And then they look at your day and they go through it. And if you're self-aware enough to go, man, I got pulled over. I lost my job. My mom died, whatever the fuck it is. Right. But if you're not self-aware enough, we hire a therapist and the therapist digs through your shit until they can show you what your trip is, because it's obviously clearly not the fucking meatloaf.
1: Mm.
0: And we never do that with dogs. Dogs flip shit at a, at a mailman or a kid or whatever. And immediately it's trigger work immediately. Mm-hmm. It's desensitized counter condition, desensitized counter or punish. You know what I mean? But it's around the trigger. And so I think that's a fundamental flaw. I think that's one of the places where, uh, anthropomorphizing dogs would fucking benefit us. If we mm-hmm. looked at dogs, like we look at people and we went, whoa, 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 that is obviously you're, this is stupid. Like, this is obviously stupid. Like, why would you have done that? Like we need to go back a few steps and look at your layers of stress. Mm. And so some people will call it stacking, trigger stacking. Um, But I think trigger stacking still implies that there are specific triggers that can stack up. Uh, The way Chad explains it is the layered stress model. And the layered stress model says that everybody is born with this, this, this threshold for stress, right? You can move that line up or down, but that's very hard. Changing a being's actual character is very hard. Taking an abject coward and making them a fucking warrior is difficult taking Mm -hmm. a warrior and breaking them down to an abject coward. is difficult. It can be done. You can move that line up or down, but way faster, way more expedient is to change the layers of stress in relation to the thing. So every being has this, this threshold, when the layers of stress reach that threshold, they're going to have whatever their trip is fighting, biting, pissing themselves, crying, whatever. And so the idea is to control the layers of stress rather than try to do all this work with the trigger. Because if we say for mathematical arguments, people can picture this while they're driving. If your threshold is at a hundred and the layers of stress that you have in your life put you at 95 and the trigger of the undercooked meatloaf is worth 10, you're over your threshold. You're going to flip out, right? Yep. If we can reduce the layers of stress down to 75, the meatloaf trigger is still pissing you off at a 10, mm. but you're sitting at 85. Now you still have 15 buffer points to go before you trip your shit. Mm. And so it's like reducing the base layers of stress is the first place to start. Yep. And so when Chad taught me this idea, he would list all of the possible layers of stress and explain like how all of these things work. And it was a beautiful concept, but For people to digest things, you have to make them little bite sized chunks for people, right? And Mm -hmm. like my gift a little bit is being able to take a complex idea, boil it down to a simple idea so somebody can fucking use it. And so I made this cartoon of the layers of stress. And of course, not every single bit of stress is going to fall into the pre described five levels of stress that I put up, but it's a really good basic idea. You know what I mean? It's like if somebody has a cough, it could be Ebola but it's likely just a cold. So it's like, we just talk about fucking dealing with colds, you know? So the layered stress model that I made up or the, the the representation of the layered stress model that I made has these base layers of stress. So the Mm. bottom layer of stress is health. If you have, if health is the reason that you are having this base layer of stress, then no amount of corrections and behavioral therapy is going to help you. hundred percent. Right. So if you have a, if you have a thyroid imbalance or you have a, you know what I mean? You have a shit hip or something. No amount of cookies or corrections is going to change your behavior because the thing is still a major trigger. It's, it's medically caused. Mm. Right. And so we understand this. (laughs) Everybody has an innate understanding of this when they talk about acute conditions. Right. Mm. So like if you're one day, your dog bites you out of nowhere, and then you realize he broke his foot. You're like, Oh, I get it. Your foot broke. Okay. I understand. Right. Mm. Your foot's broken. But we don't really think about dogs with chronic conditions. You know what I mean? We don't give that same play into chronic ideas. And so like what I will have asked people a lot of times in seminars is, have you ever considered your dog having a headache? And that's one of those <clears throat> that's one of those stupid things you jinxed me. I just listened to the podcast where you coughed like every four and a half seconds.
1: <laughs> oh, that was my first one. I, I just,
0: I literally just the other day listened <laughs> to it and I was laughing at you. And now
1: as I'm talking, I'm. <laughs> that was before I got, got this time. wonderful editing software. Yeah, yeah don't worry; actually... those coughs aren't going to be there. We're going to have <laughs> to cut out this whole section explaining the coughs. <laughs> <laughs> was it you that was telling me you? I remember somebody talking to me where they were saying they heard somebody doing a podcast or went to a seminar or there was some information where the host was talking about, do dogs get headaches? Mm. Was it you?
2: Uh, I don't think so, but I'm certainly aware of that. No, no,
1: no. I think it was Josh Moran. Yeah. I think it was Josh Moran talking about it and he may have got it from you or I mean, who knows? I think you know?
2: you'd be I think you'd be insane to think otherwise, right? Like, there'd be days where a dog just would feel shitty in the same way that sometimes I just feel shitty. But
0: that's well, what I'm saying. It's like, but people don't actually, like, if you think about it, headaches are caused by vasoconstriction, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? And so it's like, they got blood vessels, they must have constriction, like, they, they have to, mathematically, they have to. Anything
1: right? biological can have yes. an off day. And it, uh, essentially, <coughs> that's why we got Norellan on the podcast to have a chat about health and well-being. Mm-hmm. and. We're going to continue to do that into the future because it's something, you know, your point was very salient before where you you mentioned that health is something that we're not considering enough. Yes. I think we are now. I think we're on the precipice of changing the idea of that. But previously to that, people weren't looking at health. They just... See, the, the problem for us is we've come from a history of thinking that animals are just beasts of burden. Yeah, They don't think, they don't feel, they see things in black and white. We were raised with wrong perceptions of how animals are. And it wasn't until you mentioned in, your, in the seminar the other day where we started to analyse the brains of dogs through... MRIs and so forth, we could actually see what they could see through their, the spectrum of their, their brain changing different colors yeah. when certain stimuli was produced. So we know that there is a lot of things that they see, think and feel that were far, far different from what the early knowledge of what we had on that. It's very arrogant of us to assume that a dog can't feel pain. It's very arrogant of us to assume that dogs are so simplistic in their emotions that they don't have a terrible day. Yeah. And for quite a while now, this is one of the things that when people have been coming to talk to me about behavioral issues, especially with sudden aggression, sudden onset aggression. Sure. I'll say to them, go and see a competent vet, somebody who's taking bloods, checking hormones, they need to do a panel on that dog to see what's going on. Swab yep. their ears, check the inside of their mouth for broken teeth. We've really got to rule this out first, so we can start. Yep. Back to you, my friend. And, well, so
0: that's the idea: is that the health layer, stress, and this is if anybody. It's so funny because like the system of training that I've kind of come up with for myself and people. Like I harp on certain things over and over and over again. And everybody here at the seminars heard me say the word rub down like 900 times, you know, mm. and it's stupid. It's just one of those so stupidly simple things. It's but, not stupid, but well, you know what I mean? Like, it's mm. just, it's, it's like, um, it, it sounds a little bit, it's the kind of advice like, oh, my arm hurts when I do that. Well, don't fucking do that. You know what I mean? You're just <laughs> like, it's like, I mean, everybody go, yeah, yeah, yeah. I hear you. Like, it's so simple that people disregard it, a lot after they hear me talk about it, they still disregard it because it's so simple. Mm. And they're just like, I mean, anyway, this idea of doing like, I, I advise people to do like rub downs after their, their are yeah, training. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And it's uh, it's got a bunch of different values because I also use that for condition relaxation, putting relaxation on cue. But even before I did it for that reason, Half the idea is I mean one it's good for dogs and you can like help recover and blah 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 but it's it's honestly it's just to check your system out. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean like nobody in the world that does anything like if you're going to drive your car to California you don't just get in you go check your fucking car out you know what I mean like you go over it you yeah. know because it can't talk to you mm-hmm. right?
1: And it's so it's one the of the things thing the dogs. guys do here in the kennels. Yeah. Some of the young ladies that I've got working for me here they are unbelievable at finding issues with the dogs based on that rub down system
0: and that yeah but this is so when i talk to owners i'm like you know how many times veterinarians have this thing where they like i keep looking at pat and I'm taking my face away from the computer <laughs> uh, I, I, people have this thing where they go in and they're doing they go in the vet for whatever a shot or something stupid and then the vet will ask them how long has this been here mm. and they go what and then there's this tumor lump rash hot spot and it clearly, like, it's been there for days, yeah. weeks, right? And the owner goes like this. I have no idea. I didn't even know that was there. Yeah, and That should be impossible. Mm. If you're tr- not, because you know what I mean? I'm not even saying like they're not paying attention. I guarantee you that dog has been slept in their bed and laid in their arms all day. Yeah, But they rub on their head for affection. They don't actually check the area behind their knee.
1: They have a limited intimacy with their dog.
0: Well, it's like there's intimate and then there's like looking for things, there's mm-hmm. like literally checking for things, yeah, mm-hmm. you know what I mean, but like and so it's like I feel like uh if you had that rub down to your training for me in my mind, I'm doing. I'm continually squashing the layered stress of health because I am giving a full and complete check. So I'm going to check and catch things early. Mm. If my dog has joint pain, I'm going to know if they have skin irritation, I'm going to know if they have, you know what I mean? Whatever pain in an area, sensitivity in an area, I'm going to know, Mm. you know? And so that helps me deal with the layered stress model.
1: Do you think just segueing just slightly to Mm. the side, do you think your history in martial arts in feeling how people move and, and, their body contorts to different pressures. Do you think that that has given you a bit more sensitivity than the normal person? Sure. I sometimes think people who are a little bit more attuned with that, pick it up in dogs as well, because you Absolutely. just know how a body moves when it's not feeling right. I've seen that in, in other people before when, yep. especially people who wrestle, they just know how bodies should I'm, feel.
0: I'm better at it. I mean, one before I was uh, very into grappling as a martial art, mm. I worked with dogs my whole life. So it's like rub downs were part of what I did with dogs just because that's the culture in the pit bull world. Like you work your dog, you rub them down. Like even if you don't know what you're doing, if you're in that classic world, that's what you're supposed to do. So Mm -hmm. even if you're doing it bad, you're still like, look at me, I'm doing a thing. Mm -hmm. So it's like, whatever, like that's what we do. So I had a lot of work, hands on dogs doing rub downs then you pair that with educating myself about human and canon anatomy. And then you add that to like, I literally touch beings and manipulate bodies all day. Yep. I put joints back in like, you know what I mean? I can set bones. Like, I mean, I've been manipulating bodies for a long time. Mm. You know what I mean? So it's like, that's, I think I have a better base at it. I don't think that it's unlearnable if you don't have that base. You know what I mean? Like, yep. I think yep. that I was gifted with the ability to have, I was gifted with the, Series of circumstances that allowed me to develop that skill without feeling like I was trying to develop that skill Mm. But I don't feel like I have some sort of innate specialness, you know, what I mean, I think somebody else can get the skill It's like dude, if you grow up in italy, you speak italian.
1: Yeah you just pay more attention You didn't, you didn't attention have to, to try.
0: It. You just speak Italian. If somebody that didn't grow up in Italy wants to speak Italian, they got to buy a fucking Rosetta Stone or something. Yeah. You know what
1: I mean? It's not a superpower. It's <laughs> just attention yeah. to detail.
0: But I mean, I, I think that it made it where I learned it without having to feel like I was trying to learn it. Mm. But I think other people- can learn it they just have to actually try to you know
1: there was a guy in melbourne i know you chad and pat are all heading down there shortly Mm -hmm. to run your seminar but in the early days there was a guy down there called george Schofield, and he was a legend in animal manipulation no qualifications wasn't a vet just a guy that had a special interest in setting dogs back yeah and he had an understanding of physiology Yep. You'd go to his place. It'd cost you like five or 10 bucks. You write your name on the blackboard and there would be a row of people around the corner waiting for George to come and see him. Wow. And I remember once I had a – my dog went over a bunch of barrels. He was doing a tactical maneuver. He went over a bunch of 44-gallon drums, mm-hmm. ran up, came down the other side and he started limping, went to the vet. Vet said, anti-inflammatories, if he doesn't come well, we'll have to have to x-ray him, see what's going on. friend of mine said – Have you ever been to George Schofield? Long story short, hadn't been, went down there. And I kind of thought, who is this guy? You know, like it's an old shed out the back of his house. And I, when I got there, I said to him, "Oh, are you a vet? And he said, no, no, got no qualifications whatsoever. And he said, do you still want me to look at your dog? And uh, I looked around and there's people there going, oh, he's like, they're giving me the thumbs up in the line. I said, yeah, go ahead. So he started doing that rub down thing with the dog. He was rubbing him down. He said, yeah, yeah, I can feel it. He said "He's he's um, got a little contortion in, the, in one of his rear vertebrae down. He said, um, just comfort him, hold his head, talk to him for a little bit. And he said, I'm just going to move in behind him. He said, is he safe? I said, yeah, he won't turn on you. Held the dog. George picked his back legs up, just rubbed him down, spent about two minutes on him, bang, just twisted him, turned him straight in he was instantly walking better wow rubbed him down again made him feel good the dog the dog never growled at him never showed any aggression towards him Mm -hmm. he was actually quite affectionate towards him gave me some liniment said go home rub him down he said a little bit of hot cold therapy on the back of his thing keep rubbing him down keep him moving stretch his legs out move him get him feeling good as gold came came great straight away so I can see the the value in that. Sure, sure. Uh, I'm not he,
0: quite that good. I don't know. I can be, you know what I mean? But, but it's still people.
1: I mean, but look, yeah. Look, he was, that yeah, was yeah, his, yeah. that was his craft. That was yeah. his thing. So, I mean, I do see the value in it as an important stepping stone to overall health. Yeah, yeah. Mm. I mean,
0: but that's the, that's, that for me is part of the process of keeping your eye on it. Because if you believe in the layered stress model mm. and you know that health is the base layer of stress. Yep. And nothing is going to matter. Nothing above it matters. If you, It's like the IT thing. Like, is it plugged in? Is it turned on? Yep. And you're like, that's an annoying fucking question. But if I don't check that, nothing else you tell me is going to matter. Control, alt, Delete's not going to fucking matter if it's not plugged in. Yep. You know what I mean? And so the health is the base layer stress. That's where you have to start it. I mean, obviously, if you're advising people to keep an eye on it, the more you touch and handle your dog, the better it is. Yep. <clears throat> so that's the base layer stress. Next layer stress up is lifestyle. Lifestyle uh, says that every dog has a biologically appropriate life that they should be living. The further away from that life they get, the more stress they have. Mm-hmm. Right. And people are the same way. We're not made to live in cubicles and fluorescent lights. You know what I mean? Like I do, they're, yeah. they're, that's just the, mm-hmm.
1: our, our society they, they is call it hell with fluorescent lights. Yeah. Right. Mm. I mean,
0: our, our, our society is falling apart and a big part of why I believe that happens is that we are not legit living biologically appropriate lives, mm. you know? And so with a dog, it's like, you have to think, what is the life that is perfect for that individual dog? You know what I mean? And what would make that particular dog's heart full? You know, what would make them uh, uh, emotionally fulfilled? Yep. And then can you give them that direct thing? If you can, awesome. If you can move to the country and live on a working farm with your dog, that's rad. If you can put your dog in police work, because that's the kind of dog you have, then awesome. You Mm -hmm. know what I mean? if you can't give them directly, what is their best life? Can you figure out what are the qualities of that thing that would speak to them? And how can I give them surrogate activities for that thing Mm. that would provide the same type of thing? You know what I mean? And that's interesting. It's like that. Um, that study we talked about in the beginning of the seminar, the one that uh, Temple Grandin did, yeah, where she had the I don't know gerb—I gotta find out what kind of fucking rodents they were, but they're gerbils or some shit. We'll just say gerbils. So if you read the book and you're flipping the fuck out, just calm down. Don't yell at me. I know it's not the right word. <laughs> we're using gerbil as a placeholder. Yeah, we're using. You know what I mean? We'll say <laughs> varmint, right? The fucking varmint. Uh, well, then they're gonna get insulted because they're they're sentient beings anyway. So
1: we've just in we've, we've insulted mormons we've just lost the gerbil community <laughs> we've got we've got we're, we're down the brass tacks now there's going to be yeah, like three people listening uh, to the show now
0: yeah all the lawnmower people will listen to the show so <laughs> all, the yard, all the yard care people will be so anyway yeah so the gerbils so they took these gerbils and everybody all the gerbils that were in the enclosures would have a digging behavior and i think they had like uh what do you call it like a chips like a cedar chip type like or chip thing, you yeah. whatever, you know what I mean? Like that's the, like the base of the enclosure.
1: Oh yeah. It's all dust.
0: And they, yeah. they do this digging behavior in the thing. And so everybody postulates that everybody postulates that these animals have an instinct to dig. And Temple Grandin's theory is that they have behavior is driven by emotions. Behaviors are not instinctual. The, the emotion is an instinct and then the behavior manages the emotion. And so that was her theory is that, they don't have an instinct to dig. They have an instinct to accomplish something. And so they're burrowing animals. So she did this experiment where she put half of them in this sand-bottomed enclosure where they could dig to their heart's content but couldn't accomplish anything. And the other ones they put in a in an enclosure that had pre-made burrows that were out of a material that you couldn't dig in. So then... The animals that were in the regular enclosure dug the regular amount. The animals in the sand enclosure increased their digging some percentage. The animals that were in the pre-made burrow enclosure stopped digging or drastically reduced the digging, right? And so her thing was they're not digging to dig. They're digging to create a burrow. If they get a burrow, they stop digging. Mm. So the need for safety is what causes the instinct to, yeah.
1: to dig? Yeah, the instinct would be to find shelter. Yes, the, the behavior or the learned behavior would be digging.
0: Well, it might it's even be an, it might even be an instinctual
1: triggered behavior.
0: Well, yeah, the, the route by which they choose, like a deer and a lion, both get hungry, but mm. the deer didn't learn to eat grass. And could have gone and killed a gazelle. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like there is an instinctual element to the idea that when the when the rodent decides it feels unsafe, its biological pathway to fixing that emotion is to dig a burrow. Mm-hmm. Whereas some other animals' instinctual pathway to fixing that emotion is to climb a tree. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. those are two, and that's biologically determined. Like you know what I mean?
1: The but, instinct but drives the, it, but the behavior's still got to be learned.
0: Yes, but the, but the instinct. The, in, the, 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 instinct is not for the physicality. It's for the emotion that the physicality provides. Yeah. yeah. Do you know what I'm yeah, saying? Yeah, yeah I do. And so now you get into this idea of, if you can give your dog the exact life, then that, that, that would speak to them, then do it or as close as you can. And if you can't, which most of us can't, if you can't figure out what it is That is like, so for example, you have a Mal and this dog is bred for, you know, a particular type of work. Well, you're not on the check border (laughs) or whatever they were for. You know what I mean? Like You're not there. You're not a policeman and you're not going to be. Yeah. And you don't want to give your dog to somebody like that because you love your dog. And now you're, you know, you're in your thing. It's not that they have the urge to do a particular, they don't need to protect a border you know what I mean? Or whatever. They don't mm, need a know? police dog. Yeah. They need to have the dials spun that being a police dog spins quite naturally. So if you can't do that work, how can you spin those same dials? Mm. So if you can get into uh, a bite play, that isn't necessarily uh, a, a, a human decoy or even could be a human decoy, but isn't necessarily for the purpose of life and death protection of a family member. Like it's just, we, I'm biting a a gingerbread man. You know what I mean? But you get to spin the dials that the dog needs to have spun in order to be psychologically healthy. Mm. And if you don't spin those dials, we're talking layers of stress. And so every breed is different and every individual dog in a breed is different. Breeds are a cool baseline a, gives you
2: a ballpark yeah you
0: know what i mean you're like look if you're a fucking beagle this is likely what you're gonna be like if you're a mal this is likely
1: what you're gonna give you like. a summary
0: but you have to be smart enough to allow for individual variation because there's pit bulls that don't act like what you would write down as a breed standard for pit bull
1: mm-hmm. so and we've all seen those in other yeah, breeds as well all breeds
0: you mm-hmm. shouldn't take any breed and smash them into a category and go, you're a bloodhound. Therefore you're not going to enjoy biting. You're going to want to sniff.
1: You're going to da da or whatever. Well, that's like assuming that identical twins are both going to be exactly, exactly like each other.
0: No, dude, you know what I mean? Like mm. me and my sister are fucking nothing alike same, same set of jeans. And like, she's a bag of poop. You know what I mean? Like she's a, <laughs> there's nothing. We're not, we're not, similar we just, at all. we just lost your sisters. All sisters. <laughs> we, just, we just lost
1: the female audience.
0: <laughs> no females are great. She's just a shitty version of one. You know what I mean? Like, so anyway, females are back. <laughs> yeah. Okay, uh, anyway, you start with, it's like, if somebody comes in a hospital, like Occam's razor, right? You know what I mean? If you hear hoof beats in the distance, Think zebra, think horses, not zebras, right? Like it's, it, it could, could it be? Yeah, sure, it could be, but probably. So when you see a breed, you have an interesting, like, all right, this is the probability, and so I'm going to spin the dials that are generally rewarding to the type of dog I'm looking at. Mm-hmm. But be smart because the dog might have an individual variation that makes it like these totally other dials or these totally different combinations of dials. Right. And that's cool. Or they may not know how to like the dog we're working the other day, like that, uh, that band dog. I mean, typically really dig bite work Mm -hmm. and I've got a toy and does not want to touch it. But if I hold the toy on the end of a 15 foot line and I don't put any spatial pressure on him, he'll engage with the toy. Mm. It's not that he doesn't have the urge to bite he has an overly deferential relationship with handler. And so he won't challenge me for the toy. You know what I mean? Yeah. That dog doesn't understand that we can have this fun, like tag is a competition. You know what I mean? But like uh, that dog doesn't understand that we can have a competitive oppositional game and I won't take offense to it. Mm-hmm. So if I looked at him real flat and not thinking and took a toy on, said, Do you want a toy? He would go, no, I don't want a toy. And then I'd write down in my head, dog doesn't like biting activities. Yep. You're out of your fucking mind. That dog kills pigs. Yeah. Mm. He that's, fucking.
2: That's it. So it'd be easy to say he has no prey drive when he spends all day chasing prey. A hundred
0: percent. Right. And so like, you can totally fuck that up if you're not open-minded yep. and realize like, okay, do you not prefer this dial or do you not know that like I, really 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 like thai food we'll pretend right like i really like thai food i didn't know i really like thai food until somebody asked me to eat thai food Mm -hmm. so do they not like do they know what the activity is fully understand it know they have permission to engage in it and just fucking don't want to or do they know what the activity is enjoy the activity but don't know they have permission to engage in that activity with you or do they have no fucking idea what the activity is? So once they understand it, they'll find it brutally rewarding, but they don't fucking know what it is yet. Yeah. And so you have to kind of fully investigate those activities to then discover what their preference are.
1: Yeah. There's a lot of variations in there,
0: but once you learn their preference, like, and that's the whole learn your dog thing. Like everybody Mm. hears me say that all the time. Like once you learn your dog and you learn what the biologically fulfilling activities are to that specific dog, then we got to give it to them because if I can, again, those two things alone, I get health cleaned up. I get lifestyle cleaned up. And this is like the layered stress model explains all the super simplistic dog training ideas. Mm-hmm. Dude, you need to exercise your dog. Well, yes. A lot of people think that's caloric, like, you know, make them tired, tired dogs, a good dog. But if you can fulfill them. You can reduce, they do misbehave less and it's not just because they're tired. It's because they're more settled. Like the layers of stress are lower. Mm. You know what I mean? So it goes health, smash that layer of stress, lifestyle, smash that layer of stress. The next layer up is clarity. Every being needs to have a clear understanding of how they can navigate their world in order to be safe. Mm -hmm. And right. And a super confident dog needs no clarity. Like super confident dogs are like, fuck it, whatever. You know what I mean? Something, somebody opens that door and walks in and a real confident dog goes, I have no idea who you are, but I'm probably going to be all right. You know what I mean? A super not confident dog goes, Oh my God, who are you and what are you going to do? And they freak out, Mm -hmm. you know? So that being is telling you, they need more clarity. Like my wife and I need different levels of clarity, right? Like she's a badass. It's not because she's scared. Do you know what I mean? Like she's not in any way a chicken shit. She fought in a cage for a long time. She'll kick you right in the fucking neck. Like she's not a chicken shit. <laughs> yeah. You know, I believe it. No, she's a badass. I, right? I, she's I a super tomato. No, no, she's really, she's scary. Like yeah. a lot of people, you know what I mean? Like everybody in my gym, the joke, everybody in my gym, if you ask any of them, you're like, who are you more scared of? Jay or Mandy? They don't, it's not a joke and they're not being, they're not saying the line they're supposed to say. It's funny because it's real. And with zero pause, they'll immediately. Oh, Mandy, like there's no dude. Fuck you. There's no question. (laughs) And I'm standing in front of them. You know what I mean? And they're like, no, you horrify me. No question. I'm not saying I'm not scared of you, but she's terrifying. So anyway, she's a badass. But my point is if somebody said, Hey, you guys show up tonight at seven o'clock for a party, I would literally go dressed like this with what I have in my pockets. I would just show up. Mm -hmm. She would want to know well like, is it do we need to bring food is it like a graduation like is it going to be like a fucking rave or is it going to be like a fucking like 900 old people like what 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 the fuck are we doing
1: yeah she wants to appeal to the setting
2: well no because she wouldn't <laughs> but she just wants to know she wants to know
1: Really? Yeah. So she wants to know, but she doesn't want to change anything about no, it. No, she wouldn't change shit. Okay. No, well, she just
0: walk in. No, she'll walk in with the middle finger. No, of that. <laughs> that's fine.
1: <laughs> no, I love that
0: woman. She's badass, dude, right? But, but why? Like...
1: But why? Like, if she's not going to change anything, why she, she wants wanna... to know. But why? I, I
2: don't know. Personality <laughs> difference.
1: I don't know.
2: Do you know what I mean? It's like, it's a- Well, that's a perfect example of what you're saying, in that some dogs, uh, what's going on, they need a tight structure to feel safe in that structure. Yeah. And it's not- it, it, It's not
0: necessarily chicken shit. It's not necessarily fear. It's not necessarily weak nerve per se. Mm. It's that that dog has a higher need for clarity than the other dog. And they get a sense of unease if they don't have clarity. Mm -hmm. She's not scared and she's not chicken shit, but it's kind of the same thing of like, if somebody goes like, uh, I can't even think of something like, oh, stick your hand in this bag or whatever. And you're like, some people just...
2: There, yeah, what? so it's a problem of anticipation then. Like, like what the fuck gonna is be? it? What yeah. is that?
0: And like, I don't know what I'm don't know what i walking into. Mm-hmm. She could handle anything that it is. You know what I'm saying? Like, we're not going to dress up. Like, both of us are going to walk in in fucking sweatshirts and, and jeans. Like, she doesn't even own... We mm. both own the same fucking outfit. Right? Like, we don't even own anything else. So it's not like knowing what everybody's going to wear is going to change what she puts on. She literally doesn't own any dress clothes. She just wants to know. So like,
1: you guys don't frequent black tie events?
0: No, they do, but in sweatshirts and jeans, <laughs> dude. I've I've literally not gone to weddings. Yep, because they're gonna ask me to wear something. I'm like, no. I'm like, no. I've also gone to wedding. There's wedding pictures where the entire row of people are in tuxes and shit, and me and Mandy are in our sweatshirts and fucking <laughs> blue jeans, <laughs> and everybody there's just like, that's just who they are, that's motherfucker. Just and and that's just that's just them. <laughs> yep. And but my point is, she's not going to change her behavior, but she wants to know because it's like there's a different feeling when you walk in the door. Yeah. Yep. And it's exactly as you imagine. And when you walk in the door, and it's weird. And you're out of place and you have to kind of brace yourself. Cause you know, everybody in the room is going to be clucking their teeth at you. And you know what I mean? Yep. So, but anyway, so she has a higher need for clarity than I do. And it's not necessarily based on fear of outcome. It's literally just a genetic, she wants to she understand want, what needs the fuck to is happening. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think a lot of dogs are like that. Like a lot of uh, 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 the mouths and shepherds and dogs that are good at protection work. You can't have a dog in protection. That's not, that's f- scared like a scared dog is not going to make a good protection dog, but a dog that doesn't feel like they need a high degree of clarity is also not going to be a good protection dog. Yeah. Cause they're just like, whatever, bro, it'll be fine.
2: Yeah. Like, I don't know
0: why that guy's waving his arms around, but it's probably not a big deal. Yeah. There's (laughs) a whole,
2: there's a 10 part series in that, but I think definitely because people will be banging their, their dashboard listening to this, there, okay. there, there's got to be an element of nerve to, to have any protective instinct at all. Yes. There has sure. to be a, a tiny little bit I agree. before you get upset about anything because yes. a dog that gives no fucks, gives no fucks whether people come in or not. Absolutely. Mm. And that,
0: but that's the, it's, it's hard to explain to people that aren't involved in games like that, whether it's dog versus human dog versus dog or human versus human. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? yeah. Cause of the three, I've been more involved in the first two than dog versus human. Right. Mm-hmm. But I understand the theories are the same. You know, I mean, not to the point where I'm training the actual behaviors, but the concepts of building a fighter are the yeah. same. And so it's like, it's hard to explain because there's a there's a certain element of what people would refer to as nerve. Like the need to understand what the fuck is going on and mm. to be able to manipulate it and control and know where they fit and know what needs to be done. Yeah. But it's not fear as in cowardice.
2: No. And so that's actually a good way to tie it in, in that you say... It doesn't affect you, but it does affect Mandy. And with some dogs, it does affect in others. It doesn't, it's not a good or a bad thing, but it's a thing. It, absolutely. Mm. It's a thing you need to be aware of. For sure. For sure.
0: But anyway, so like that's the, the clarity thing. And so yeah, for some, sense. some dogs need a higher degree of clarity than others. Mm. And that's where you get into the rules, boundaries, limitations, structures, whatever the fuck, right? Structure is a way to give clarity, but it is not the only way to give clarity. Right. And Mm -hmm. so people know that everybody like, they'll say shit like dogs need structure. Dogs don't need structure. Dogs need clarity. They don't need structure. Structure is a way to provide clarity to a dog. Mm. Do you know what I mean? So like dogs in the wild, everybody, dogs in the wild don't have walk through the door first. You know what I mean? Like that kind of, they don't, they fucking know exactly. They know exactly like you can sit next to this one, you can't sit next to that one. This one you can hump, that one you can't even look at. You know what I mean? Like when we do A, I do B. Like they fucking know exactly what they need to do that's to a survive. De- that's
1: a degree of structure. That's a degree of, but it's it's not structured as the explanation that a human would require. Sure,
0: sure,
2: sure. Yeah. I yeah, think yeah. when you talk structure as well, people forget that there's fluidity and there's um
1: There is. And the, it changes. It, yeah, it modifies as as Required, and there's yeah.
2: context to it as well. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, we're, we're sitting there, we're having breakfast this morning, watching Remy and Val play. And you would think watching that play, like he's all on top of her. Uh, and in that game, he's the boss, but in in another picture, she bashes him, and, and it's a totally different picture altogether. Yes, it's, it's a fluid situation where yes. we're playing. When we play like this, I'm in charge, when we play like this, you're in charge, and it's hard for people to understand that when it's like, no, 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 no. Like, here's the ranks, one, two, three, four. Yes. I'm the sergeant, he's the corporal, you're yeah. the digger. And it's like, no, 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 no. Remember in the this thing game- we were
0: talking about with you working Remy the day, like last night? Yeah. That same thing. Yeah, yeah. Like on that, like in this particular setting, him kind of being a shit with the out, you're like, not only do I not mind, I kind of want it. Yeah. But then in another setting, you'd be like, no, you absolutely can't blow off an out command. But it's like, people, people will flip about mm. that. People trip out about that big time, but, but it's like, if you understand the idea, like if you know dogs, you get it. Like as long as they understand when the pictures are different, there's absolutely no problem in picture variation. If the dog understands, like you can't grab my, what, like if I am holding a towel, you can't grab the towel and try to take it from me. That never will ever be okay. That will never be okay. You can grab the tug toy and try to, in fact, I want you to try as hard as you can to take the tug toy. Yeah. And then people are going, yeah, you can't play tug. It makes them you know, aggressive. I mean? Does anybody never, ever put their kid in rugby ever? Like, don't you, don't you dare sign your kid up to rugby? You know why? Because in, in church, he'll tackle the fucking priest. <laughs> <laughs> you know or it's like I mean? that people old life. You
1: feed your dog red meat. It's going to blood it. And the dog's going to turn savage. No, of course. Right. Mm. But so
0: it's like it's the rigidity
1: of, in belief. And that's part of the structure that dogs don't have. They don't have that rigidity that human beings have. Human beings have a concept of something and they think, no, this is how it has to be. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. So that's that sort of structured belief that a human being have. It's it's far more complex in its, in its origins where a dog has a form of structure but they don't have the rigidity around it. So they kind of think, okay, well, this works for now and when it doesn't we'll collapse that model and work on sure, something sure. else. Yeah, yeah.
0: But that's the, the idea is where dog trainers come involved is, is generally clarity. You'll go into somebody's house, you'll clean up their clarity. You'll walk in, you'll go, all right, here's the deal. Listen, here's the thing, right? Yeah.
1: don't let the dogs beat it
0: or whatever. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But like, it's, 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 it's. It's whatever Some, it is, whatever it is. And there's yeah. different varying levels. You could just be like, look, man, just make sure that you, you know, ask your dog to do what you want him to do. You know what I mean? Mm. Half mm. the time he jumps on the counter, you think it's hilarious. And then one day you're making a special dinner that you're going to take somewhere. He jumps on the counter. You freak out. Yeah. He doesn't know um, that's a special
2: meal. Yeah. You know what I mean? So and people definitely overlook how important those mixed signals that the amount of fucking up you can put in your dog. 100%. Where, why is it allowed now and not allowed Yes. Tomorrow. Mm. Well, that's
0: it. But this is, this is the thing. Like the clarity is the thing because like you right now are saying what they think they're saying when they say you can't let him blow off the out command. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like they're, you, they're going to argue like as they hear us bagging on the fact that you said, sometimes you can blow off the out. Sometimes you can't depending on the picture. And then you just said, you can let, you know what I mean? And they'll go, well, that's what the fuck I'm talking about. Because if you can jump on the counter sometimes.
1: Can I just interject here for a second in regards to the concept of anthropomorphism? And that is where anthropomorphism is wrong in dogs. Mm -hmm. Okay. So when we talk about the, the concept of anthropomorphism, that's where it becomes a problem because you're suggesting that the dog has that complex ability to understand that message that you're trying to get through to the dog. So for much of your life, the pup was conditioned that jumping up on things was hilarious, it was cute, and it was adorable. Then Mm -hmm. all of a sudden it's not. That's where anthropomorphism becomes dangerous is that it's not that we don't – see, many people who own dogs and many people who are learned in this field understand that dogs feel emotions. We get it. Sure. And we're learning more about that. But the problem is, is they don't have that deductive reasoning or that that advanced cognitive concept that we have of self and universe. I mean, yeah. one of the arguments I say to people quite regularly is, if you think that your dog has any sort of special talent that it even mirrors anything like a human being, ask it to go and turn your computer on and set your day up for you. Yeah. And very quickly, you're going to realize, well, that's just not going to work. Yeah. Dogs are dogs. They're smart. They understand a degree of things. They just don't have the depth of knowledge that we have around it. So when you're becoming anthropomorphic, it's lovely. It's wonderful to be inclusive with your dog. It's wonderful to feel love and understand that your dog feels love for you. But to believe that your dog can conceive you the same way that your fellow human beings can, that's a drastic mistake and something that you are doing a great disservice for your dog. That's where it becomes an issue.
0: I think that dogs see pictures like they understand uh, pictures is the only way I can think to say like dogs understand pictures. Yeah, exactly. And so the problem is not that you can't, Oh, you know, if he, if he counter surfs ever and that you let him counter surf, but then one day you're cooking an important meal and he counter surfs, it's your fucking fault because you allow counter surfing. Mm. So if you allow counter surfing at one time, you must allow it all the time or you must never allow it or whatever. And it's not true. It's the same thing as the whole like them blowing off an obedience command under certain situations or them, them challenging you for possession, depending on the situation. The reason playing tug with a dog can be bad is if you don't teach them a differential in picture. If you teach them that when we are in the picture of this game, mm. you can compete with me. And when we're not in the picture of this game, you can't compete with me. There's no problem. It's when you encourage them to to challenge you for items, but you've never taught them there's a differential between picture A and picture B. Mm. And then they start challenging you what you believe to be a different picture. Like now we're not playing tug and I'm air quoting right now. We're not playing tug but you're challenging me for this possession. Mm. It must be because I taught you to challenge me for this possession. The problem isn't that you did the possession challenge earlier. The problem is you didn't have a distinction that the dog understood between when the picture shifted from a to B, mm. which is why you can have dogs that will play a uh, tug with the kid, but never with the dad. They, if the theory of everybody thinking you've taught them to challenge possessions, then they would challenge possessions from everybody all the time, Yeah. but they will not play tug with dad, but they'll play tug with the 15 year old kid. Cause dad whooped his ass one day yep. and he's like, I ain't challenging you for shit. The dog has learned a picture differential between human a and human B mm. and everybody can see that. Like they act different. They listen to dad. They don't listen to mom or whatever the fuck. Right. So it's like. You know, dogs can learn different behaviors inside different pictures. You just have to be smart enough to train intentionally to say, this is the picture where it's allowed. This is the picture where it's not allowed. Because if I have a cake making business and you can't be counter surfing while I'm making my cakes, I can easily teach you i can put on a red fucking hat every time i and yeah. every time you jump on the counter i say uh-uh yeah. and then when i take off my red hat i say jump on the counter and you learn pretty quick when i have my red hat on to fuck with the counter
2: yeah like that's not a hard thing to do and that's just one solution it's there's 15, conceptual cues, fifteen thousand right. solutions mm. and so uh, contextual which is exactly what i was about to say so i think that that whole uh clarity layer of the layered stress model could be broken down to context and cues teaching the dog this is the context where certain things can happen and these are the cues that allow them to happen yes and being consistent and clear in those things yep. mm. and yep. that's that whole layer taken care of and, absolutely and, and as you say that is what a dog trainer is probably going to want to do right away without first addressing health and lifestyle dog trainers walk in and start with clarity well
0: or worse the, than dog that trainers- they don't start with clarity they start with a trigger because they start at they start walking up counter-conditioned And they haven't even established anything. Like Mm -hmm. I never do trigger work first.
1: What I think good dog trainers start with in any given situation is improving language. Yes. And that's a big part of our issue. This is where world wars start is that we have poor language between (laughs) us. This is where divorces start from is we have bad language. And anybody who's involved in better concepts of training develops better language. Yes. From the get go. That's got to be the grounding or the the foundation that's got to be the foundation in any of those aspects is as soon as you start developing better language and better concepts of understanding each other automatically you're on the front foot. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I agree with that. Mm. So So that's the idea is that this idea of clarity and it doesn't matter if you provide it by using obedience or if you just provide it by having clear contextual pictures in your home, whatever degree of clarity that dog needs as an individual, you have to find a way to provide it. Some dogs are so fucked up they need not only like household structure type stuff, they need actual obedient, like they need to be given help, Mm. a lot of help. And Mm. so you have to have a, a very complex language built with that dog. Some dogs like legitimately, most people you could just teach them. Hey, look, when I, tap my chest, you can act a fool. And if I haven't tapped my chest, don't fuck with it. And they're good. <laughs> like we're yeah. done. We're done now. Cause we've taken care of greeting guests at the door, jumping on grandma, dirtying up my church clothes. Like we've, we've taken care of a bunch of things with this one idea of a contextual thing. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so it's like, but every individual dog is going to need a different level of clarity. And your job is to figure out how much they need and help the client come up with that amount. Right. Next layer of stress up is a le- uh, leash. The leash is the next layer and the leash is brutally upsetting for dogs. Like it is yeah. brutally upsetting. And I don't believe anybody really gets the idea of, of why. Right. Like, um, again, it's that it's the rev- whatever, what's the opposite of anthropomorphic, like where you just ah fuck them, their
1: dogs. Fuck them. Right. Intelligence.
0: Well, this is the thing. Like we, we can only counter condition. We can only address what we perceive. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And so like, You know that if you were going to be put in a box overnight, you would be fucking hating life. And so from our perception of what we're going to do to the dog when we put the dog in a crate, we perceive it would suck if we experienced it. So we go, you know what, let's puzzle toys and Kongs with peanut butter and go in and go out and reward when you go in and mark for duration, all this bullshit. And we teach them how to be in a crate, but we bother to do it because we think it sucks from our perspective. A muzzle, putting a muzzle on a dog's face. We go, if this thing got jammed in my fucking face and strapped on, I would fucking hate it. So from my perspective, I wouldn't want to experience, therefore I'm going to assume you don't want to experience, therefore I'm going to help you make this better. I'm peanut butter on the inside and fucking click and treat and reward and that's bullshit to make them not hate the thing. Nail clippers. Okay, you're not going to... I think that would suck to be strapped down and have a medical procedure I don't understand, so I'm going to fucking look, click with the clippers and fucking treat clippers, blah, blah, blah. And we help the dogs offset the suck of this thing that we imagine would suck if we went through it. Mm. But when we say we're going to put you on a leash and take you for a walk, we imagine what if they did that to us? What if somebody took me out in the sunshine and walked at two miles an hour and had a lovely conversation and we go like this, no, that's fucking awesome. So we don't condition them to the leash. We just fucking stick it on them. But we stick it on them because from our perspective, if someone did this to me, it would not suck. So I don't think it should suck for you. So I'm not going to bother helping you. Mm. The dogs, people fail to understand. Dogs travel an average of like four miles an hour. We travel an average of two. Our social connection, if you guys go hiking and are going to talk while you're hiking, you may be what? Three feet, maybe 10 feet apart max. If somebody's standing 20 feet away from you, you think they don't like you. Mm -hmm. Right? So your social connection is five to 10 feet. Dogs, how far will they go before they bother to look back at you? A hundred yards. Yeah. So the dogs have this hundred yard social bubble that Mm. travels at four to six miles an hour. And we cram them into a four foot social bubble and make them walk at two miles an hour. That's brutal. Like that's fucking brutal. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's like, I'm going to take you for a hike and tie your fucking shoes together and make you walk face to face with me, like cheek to cheek with me. That would get annoying after a while. You know what I mean? Mm. But we don't bother to help them because we don't see the suck from our perspective. And so we just slap it on them. And then of course they don't like it and they resist. And then it sets up this conflict. They try to go see, I try to fucking stop them. They're digging. I feel disrespected. I, what the fuck is wrong with you? I think you're broken. Why do you keep pulling? Can't you just accept the fact that we're taking a beautiful walk in the sunshine? What the fuck is your problem? And it sets up this game of conflict. And mm. then they try to play offense. And we try to play defense. They try to leave. We try to stop. Prong callers, he collars, halties, snoot loop, fucking things, hog tie the fucking dog's feet. But it's because we're in conflict. We're like, dude, like you're fucking fundamentally disagreeing with me. Mm. So I think you treat the leash differently. I think you counter condition to the leash. Chad teaches the idea of pressure and release, right? Like Michael Ellis does this, you know, pressure plus food. Grisha Stewart does a shit called silky leash. I have this routine I do with a flexi lead. Like anybody that's really skillful isn't just bashing the dog around on a fucking leash. They teach them how to accept the leash. And then in addition to that, they make sure that even though they've taught them how to accept the leash, they give them much as many as they can opportunities to experience freedom, right? So the problem is people that go, this bubble should be sufficient. Like you have your fucking postage stamp backyard and you have this four foot bubble that travels at two miles an hour twice a week. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Fuck. You know what I mean? If you're smart, you teach them how to accept the leash and then you reward them for that acceptance by giving them liberty. Mm-hmm.
1: Do you know what? It's very similar to, and this is a way that I've explained it to students for years. I don't know your take on it, but if you put a horse in a paddock and you've got a hot wire in the paddock, that horse is only going to touch it probably two or three times before it gets the idea. Yeah. For most ideas or concepts in training, what we need to do is, is have a good hard think about that because what we really want to do, it follows on from Chad's point about we want to make training equipment as redundant as possible. Yeah. And I want to do the same thing when I'm training a dog. I don't want to be sitting there correcting a dog or pulling a dog or having the dog pull me on the lead. I want it to be like a horse in a paddock. I want that, do- that horse to, to touch the fence, realize this is not a good idea. The less time I spend touching the fence, the more time I can enjoy running around the paddock, chasing the other horses, drinking the water, licking the salt, rubbing up against the tree, rolling on the grass, doing all these wonderful things, experiencing life in the fulfillment that it, it, it offers. Yep. But if I touch this fence the fence is going to kick back, mm-hmm. okay? In whatever degree that is, whatever training style that is, it's very short-lived. The horse gets it. It doesn't go, oh, well, I'll just test it one more time. Sure, sure, it sure. It touches it here, it touches it there, it goes. Wherever I touch the fence, I can work near the fence, I can come close to the fence, I can eat the grass on the other side of the fence, I just must not touch the fence. Yeah. If you develop that concept in training, if you if you create that awareness in a dog very early on, They get it quick. Sure, sure. They learn it. They they learn it, and they they're smart about their learning in it as well. Yeah, I feel that's the best way.
0: I think so. But that that idea, like that's the last layer. And then for me, we don't have to fuck with triggers ninety nine point nine percent of the time. Yeah, like, and I go as far up the ladder. I go up as far up that layers of stress as I need to go to get the problem solved. Most people, we don't need to do counter conditioning to the triggers. We just don't. Mm -hmm. Most of the time we don't because if I can, you know, if I can make the health layer of stress reduce a little bit, I can teach them how to live a fulfilling biologically appropriate lifestyle with their dog and reduce that one. We can clean up the clarity of the house and we have like a little bit of obedience that we can use Mm -hmm. 90% of the time. Like they're not stressed out about the leash, right? 90% of the time when we run into the trigger, They're so far below their layers of stress, the buffer that you've created, even though the trigger is just as disturbing as it was, it still falls below their threshold, not because you've trained it, but because you've reduced the base layers of stress. Mm. And even if we wind up with a trigger that is actually a legitimate trigger, like they can handle everything in the world except the fucking clown on the unicycle. And they just trip shit. No matter how low their layers of stress are, they fucking are just going to lose it. Yeah. One, you've reduced it by however much. It's like you've taken as much weight off that side of the scale as you can. So it's going to be an easier issue to deal with. And in the process of giving them clarity and biologically appropriate lifestyle, you've made a bond. So you now have more leverage, right? If you do have to get into a disagreement, you're going to recover from the disagreement faster because we have an ongoing relationship of motivational stuff. Yep. And we have skills. Because if I have a trigger and I have a look command, I don't have a trigger anymore. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, and I know that I want to teach the dog to look and I can dance the dance of desensitization. I can put the dog at 90 yards because at 91 yards they flip and at nine at, 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 whatever, you know, at 89 yards, they flip at 90. They're, they're okay. Mm. And at 91, they don't notice the fucking clown anymore. I can dance right on that edge Mm -hmm. until I reduce the amount and I can get closer and I can do that dance.
1: Yep. You're surfing the reactivity cycle.
0: I can do that dance and I can help Mm. that dog. But the truth is I can do that because I want the dog to be healthier and be mentally tougher and be able to deal with Mm. stress. But Mm. I don't even have to. Yeah. If I have clarity, I don't even have to, because if my dog knows how to I teach heel between the legs. If my dog knows how to tactical heel while staring at my eyes, I can walk him through a sea of clowns on unicycles. Mm -hmm. He don't care. I've used clarity to circumvent having to deal with the trigger. Yeah. I can deal Mm -hmm. with the trigger if I want to, because then I will have some obedience because what I can do is let the dog investigate the trigger to the degree that it can, and then recall him back. But without the clarity of a recall, I can't let him investigate. Mm -hmm. So I can use my clarity to help me do the dance to get him around the triggers as necessary, but that's truly 1% of the dogs. If you smash the layers of stress, you'd never run into trigger work. It just never fucking happens. It's not necessary 99% of the time.
1: Personally, mate, I love it. I think the way it's laid out is perfect. I think it summarizes it very well. I think anybody who looks at it and spends a little time understanding the concept of it, it plays out very, very well. It's a, it's a very good language.
2: Yep. And yep. the, the meatloaf analogy you started with is excellent. That what, well, cause we've been talking about this for, four days now and I hadn't heard that one. And that even makes even more sense. Cause everybody knows it's not the meatloaf. You're not good. No, nobody like yeah. it's just the can straw you, that you know, broke the camera. Can back. you imagine
0: that? Can you imagine you go home, you flip out at it and your wife suggests seeing a relationship therapist about your meatloaf issue. Yeah. Like we need to hire you <laughs> yeah. a therapist
2: well, because of your meatloaf issue. Probably only Australians and Kiwis would get this, but Jake DeMoss wasn't angry about the eggs. You know what I mean?
1: Mm.
2: Look <laughs> <What the laughs> <fuck>? after. <laughs> have, have to show you. You a have movie. to watch Once Were Warriors. Once Were Warriors. Yeah. Okay. But uh, he wasn't angry about the eggs. You know, like it was the whole situation. So yeah, uh, go and watch Once Were Warriors. Mm. I'll well, have to. Um, look, I think we should wrap it up there. That's perfect. We've hit it. We've hit it all in our time yeah, slot, yeah. and we've got everything. So, yes. uh, Jade, thank you very much for talking about it. Thanks for coming. So good with to with have you course, here, buddy. I appreciate it, guys. Thanks for having me again.
1: Yeah, and And now when you think about us podcasting, you know exactly where we're doing it.
2: that's it for another episode of the Canine Paradigm <laughs> you
0: know what you need to do you need to do what you were doing with Remy the other day you need to get in here with his microphone and turn your leaf blower on yeah he just starts sweating
2: stand bullets here. playing with his soundboard stand here and blow him directly in the face <laughs> with it <laughs> then you're, then you're ah. going oh why is he triggering yeah, right? <laughs> yeah. no you have to stand straight stand still <laughs> accept it I got, a, I got a slip lead around your neck if you get upset I'm <laughs> tightening it up uh, uh, um, awesome alright that's it for another episode of the Canine paradigm as always if you like what you're hearing please tell a friend jump on to whatever subscription service you download us through like share rate us all that helps us get in contact with people we can't just harass on facebook and say hey listen to our podcast uh if you want to get in contact with us you can do that via facebook's the best way we are the canine paradigm on facebook we're on instagram as well and And twitter and twitter not very active on twitter i have to admit (laughs) um that's it glenn please get the music it's
1: the China Paradox Show, we talk about dogs. <laughs>